Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of October 7, 2018. The Kentucky Council of the Blind is pleased to announce that it is now a Category 1 Ripple Provider of Continuing Education Credits through ACVREP, the Academy for Certification of Vocational Rehabilitation and Educational Professionals. KCB will be offering Continuing Education Credits at its 2018 Conference and Convention, scheduled for November 16 and 17 here in Louisville. The ACB Mini Mall Fall Catalog is now available. Request Braille and large print catalogs by calling the Mini Mall at 877-630-7190. The catalog is available in electronic format at the end of the October eForum, and the catalog will appear in audio format on the November Braille Forum cartridge. Please note, the Mini Mall carries many items with the ACB logo and some items that do not have the logo. Examples of items that do not have the logo are canes, USB charging cables, etc. We do not carry talking watches, talking clocks, and other such items. Many of us have enjoyed audio description of movies, television shows, live theatrical performances, and tours at some museums. At the end of the 2015 ACB Conference and Convention in Dallas, Texas, some of us attended a rodeo, and Dr. Joel Snyder, director of the ACB Audio Description Project, provided live audio description for us that evening. Joel is with us on page 2 of Soundprints this week, explaining the need for a certification process for audio describers. A subject matter committee for this new initiative is now being formed. Find out more about this exciting initiative on page 2. Page 3 contains two articles. The first describes legislation introduced into Congress that would make some modifications to the ADA, and the second concerns the increased numbers of audible pedestrian signals in New York City. The group discussion time from 5 to 6 o'clock at the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout is something different each week. The first 5 to 10 minutes of each week's activity is a brief presentation about some aspect of KCB history led by Adam Rushable. Some weeks then have a basic theme. For example, the fourth Friday of the month includes a tip sheet from 5 to 5.30 and page turners where we can share both nonfiction and fiction books from 5.30 to 6. The third Friday's topics are related to cooking and other kitchen-related activities. This past Friday, the topic was how sighted people see us, their opinions of people who are blind or who have low vision. This prompted lively discussion from a number of attendees. The entire time for this event was 40 minutes, thanks to Adam Rushville for creating an edited version for us on page 4 of Soundprints. And on page 5 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. 
On the phone with me is Joel Snyder. Dr. Joel Snyder is the director of the American Council of the Blind Audio Description Project. He also has his own company called Audio Description Associates. Is yeah, that right, Joel? That's right. Okay, <laughs> I got it right this time. Yeah, that's right. How about that. <laughs> and uh, he is just Mr. Audio Description. I mean, if if it's out there and it's to be known about audio description, Joel knows it. Um, he's written a book called The Visual Made Verbal, which is an excellent, excellent book to uh, that anyone interested in audio description and all the technicalities should read that book. Um, but Joel, you are involved after all of these years with ACB. A, ACB and you are involved now in creating a certification for audio describers. That's and right. this isn't yeah. just something that's just kind of going to be made up and just all of a sudden say, oh, here it is. We've written up this program, and isn't this wonderful? Here we are. This is actually being done um, on a very professional level, being done in a professional way. And it will create some standards in audio description. I think we're going to benefit everybody. So. Tell us how this came to be. Tell us what's happening in this process and how people can get involved in it. Oh, you bet. Well, thank you, Carla. Thank you for the opportunity to, to chat about this for a little bit uh, because it is important to audio description. I do want to clarify one thing. It's not so much that American Council of the Blind and the Audio Description Project is, is implementing this program. We've been, it, we certainly are in favor of developing such a program. Correct. But we've been in touch with uh, all manner of other organizations involved with description, description producers, description voicers, description writers, uh, the studios, uh, the National Federation of the Blind has been involved. Uh, we really want this to be an open process uh, it's not just an ACB process. Okay. Oh, uh, yes. Now, now, House, having said that, um, I think you know the whole idea of having certification, building professionalism, and description is something that's really come from consumers of audio description. And as you uh, and your listeners know, ACB has been a real leader for decades in in uh, promoting audio description, um, and so. You know, the, the, the reason for this is be, is simply because it is a – we're kind of growing up as a profession. We're no longer in our infancy. Maybe we're in our adolescence. And, and it, it's become very clear that describers are professionals that, that take training, that take a lot of experience to do it well, to do it according to – to certain standards, which ACB has worked with uh, to develop, uh, as have many countries around the world now. Uh, so it's a professional activity that happens in theaters, in, on television, for film, museums, and such. And, you know, as much as I promote audio description and, and have been doing so for almost four decades now, uh, I oftentimes will say sometimes better to have no description than to have bad description <laughs> because Carl, i've been in theaters where i've you know been uh, looking over a, a program for description or whatever and i i see people in the uh, house in the theater using the description they have the earbud 
and then they they pull it out at one point and put it away because the describer is not enhancing the describer is distracting from what's going on and that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing exactly so we just don't want that kind of thing to happen with any regularity because then a, a new person to description never tries it again you know because Correct. they figure well that just doesn't work very well well it does work well if it's done well and so that's the the genesis of the idea and really this comes from people like well people like you people like kim charlson at acb many many folks who have been longtime uh, advocates for description and consumers of description have said you know we want this to to really have standards that the people doing the description uh, are, can be certified as audio describers, much like uh, sign interpreters are uh, certified by the Registry of Interpreters for the Deaf. Correct. Professional activity, and, and people deserve to have it done, have it done well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, having that laid out just the, the reason right. for it, what, what, we, what we did was, again, we didn't want it to be just an ACB activity. We want this to be out there and owned by everyone. We actually were in touch with a group called ACVREP. That's the acronym for the Academy of Certification of uh, Vision Rehabilitation and Education Professionals. And this is a, a professional group itself that provide certification already for uh, O&M instructors, for many uh, people in vision-related fields, working Correct. with people mm-hmm. who are blind or have low vision. So it seemed to me like, wow, this would be a real a match made in heaven if they're interested, and they were very interested. They've been so easy to uh, work with. Kathy Zider has really taken this on as a special project for the organization. And um, so at this point, we've we've had, Colin, we've had two national conference calls. We've, um, as I mentioned, we, we had developed guidelines for description some years back, but we're reviewing those uh, now. And right at this point, this is going to be a year, two-year process. At this point, we're close to the beginning. We're, we're recruiting people to sit on what we call the subject matter expert committee. That committee will be charged with actually drawing up the process. How does somebody get certified? And uh, what kind of application will be involved and such? And then ultimately reviewing uh, the applicants for certification. That'll all be done by the subject matter expert committee. And we're very, by the way, we're very open to uh, uh, and want to be sure that we have involvement by uh, people who are consumers of description. <laughs> who, um, um, you know, and it's, it's not a matter of just being someone who is blind or maybe maybe congenitally blind, maybe losing their vision. Uh, I understand that, and they may uh, want to. They hear about description and they want to learn more. We want people, uh, consumers there who been around the block a little bit they've they've experienced description on television on film uh, in museums they've got a good sense of of what it's like to do it well mm-hmm. and how to use language effectively so what so makes it good out. yeah what yeah. makes it good and what makes it that's not right. so good is, that's right because you need sure. to know both sides in yeah. order to be able to develop those those uh standards and those no, right. uh, and that's the right. subject matter that's going to be used 
Sure, that's right. And uh, and as you know, it has been said by disability activists for many, many years, nothing about us without us. You know, this is. I think it's so important for uh, it, it to be that that the ACB is involved in this, and the NFB, and other organizations, um, because it, it it really is truly the consumers that are demanding this level of quality, and uh, will be driven by their desire to boost the levels of quality for audio description as we grow up. More and more television is going to have description, more and more films, DVDs, and such. We want to make sure that there's a, a base level of certification, at the very least, uh, for, for people creating the description. And for people that are not familiar with ACVREP, or you may say, oh, I think I've read about that somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. This past year was the first year that ACB uh, was designated a Category 1 Ripple provider um, for ACVREP, and we began with this last convention offering continuing education credits, right. which could be used for the other four certifications that ACVREP sure. offers. Right, yeah. So uh, this is for ACB. This is such a natural extension of, of what we've already begun. And we began that effort, Joel, um, you know, that, that came about kind of independent of the, um, from, from the audio description effort. Oh, yeah. And, That's right. And it was great to discover that uh, both were underway. And uh, there's, because there, there's so much that can be learned from uh, from from various programs and so on that are that are provided and you know you do the training both at our mid-year are you going to do the training sure. again this next year yeah at mid-year at the mid-year at the mid-year council will be our 15th one that we've done oh no kidding yeah <laughs> oh i didn't know you'd done that many i yeah. you know i remember when it was happening uh, now, will that be the that won't be the fifteenth mid year, will it? That'll be no, the fifteenth no, no, no. training. That's right. We do it twice a year. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. right. Oh, phew, Good. Don't make me. <laughs> I didn't think I'd messed up on my timing that much. No. 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 But uh, but you know both providing the um, the training and uh, at at in February and providing training in conjunction with the ACB convention gives people a chance to um, to learn how to be describers and so on. But um, by having that certification, uh, if if a person then, they, they obtain the certification. If they then in the future would come to one of those trainings, they could obtain additional continuing oh, sure. ed hours for Absolutely. that, correct? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, hopefully they do the training and have build up their experience first. So that's sure, something absolutely. To look for. Yes. But, um, yeah, I think the Audio Description Institute uh, that ACB sponsors through the Audio Description Project has been really the leading um, vehicle for training of audio yes. describers yes. Um, in, in the United States, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and, of course, uh, by the way, there's, there's international interest in this, uh, mm -hmm. too. I, I just came back from... Uh, doing uh, presentations at three different conferences in Europe, and um, they, uh, you know, the, the, the sessions weren't specifically about audio description certification. But when I when I spoke of it, they were very receptive. There really is nothing like this 
um, anywhere in the right. world um, right. R- right now. So uh, it, we're certainly open to working with professionals in other countries mm-hmm. and uh, offering them certification, offering them the chance to be on the subject matter expert committee as well. Right. So if a person is interested in exploring um, participating in that committee, how do they go about doing that? What I would do is, and you know, and I apologize, I don't have it right in front of me, but the, the ACVREP website is the place to go, and it's okay. featured prominently on the home page, and okay. that's ACV as in Victor, R as in Richard, E as in Edward, P as in Paul, dot org. Yes. And um, it's, uh, it, it, I think it would be interesting have interest for many of your listeners, uh, again, because they have these other certifications mm-hmm. in uh, blindness-related fields. Right. But the uh, the audio description one is, is important to us. We also have a link to it on our website. I say the uh, our website, the Audio Description Project website, which I want to be sure to mention, of course, and that's simply uh, slash adp and um, if I do say so myself, uh, and it's not really just myself, Fred Brack is our great webmaster. That, <laughs> he sure that does really a great makes job. It, he makes yeah. it work, and yeah. uh, it really is the go-to place for the information on audio description. If you're, if you, you know, hear about description, and my goodness, it's on television programs. How do I get it? Well, we've got that information on the website. Same for movies. Uh, what theaters or museums in your state? offer audio description regularly. We've got that there, too. Really a, a wealth of information, so I Absolutely. certainly recommend that. Absolutely. So for further information on the subject matter committee, you can visit either acvrep.org or for not only information on the subject matter committee, uh, but also for information up-to-date lists and information oh, yeah. on, on DVDs, TV shows, um, movies, all kinds of things that have audio description, visit www.acb.org slash A-D as in description, P <laughs> as in project, and go. And you will find just an enormous amount of information. Uh, You know, Joel, we have begun here uh, in the last year and a half. We've been offering a low vision support group here in Louisville. It meets Uh the second and fourth Thursday of every month. And probably half of the people who come to that group or who have come to that group over the years, over the last year and a half, um, have have at some point said they were having problems with and were frustrated with watching TV because they can't oh. see what's on the screen anymore. Right. And, and they come in and they have never heard of audio description. And, they, and even though we say... This it's this is oh it's available here it is yeah. they really don't have any idea of how yeah. to get that description and um, we are just we have just purchased a um, projector and uh-huh. a screen uh-huh. and we are going to try to um, show we won't show screen, a whole movie. Exactly, and yeah. it describes video for this group ever so often. Yep. 
because otherwise they don't know what they're missing. That's a, that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. Every little bit we can do to get the word out right. uh, to folks uh, who are just learning about description. That website uh, really does a great job of providing the information. On the um, website, you can certainly find out about how to hook into description with your television, be it satellite or cable or over the air. Mm-hmm. But not only that, uh, you know, it's it's uh, on the East Coast now. It's almost 1230 on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually look up what is on television with description. Right now? Uh, which is, you, you could look it up right now. And, right now. And uh, we have that for you. And uh, that, uh, we think, is helpful. Uh, in this country, you know, um, we we now require um, nine broadcasters to provide a limited amount of description. It comes out to about seven hours a week, um, and so we're unfortunately that way. We're we're still taking baby steps, even though we developed description back in 1981. Uh, the UK is up to like uh, 20%. Uh, of description of the television programs oh. have description mm-hmm. and um, you know I just was hearing more about it this this last week and uh, makes you feel like boy if you're if you're a description lover you should be in the UK <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Doing well, we yeah, we certainly appreciate you taking time on Sunday to talk to us. Oh, sure. When I saw your announcement this morning, very yeah. early, Joel. I think you posted yes. that at four a.m. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought, oh, this this is a great step in the right direction toward this certification, and yes. um, just want people to be aware of it. Want you want people to feel they can participate, and sure. also want to encourage people to go to the website and get more information. Hey, thank you, you so much. We thank appreciate you it for helping to, to get the word out, Carla. APH is nearby explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. End of title. Page 3. This item was posted by Ray Campbell, ACB Secretary, on the ACB Leadership List. It's a press release entitled, Duckworth, Casey, Hassan, and Klobuchar Introduce Legislation to Strengthen the ADA and Help Small Businesses Become Accessible. The following press release was forwarded by the Great Lakes ADA Center. Bill would make it easier for small businesses to comply with landmark civil rights legislation. Washington, D.C. U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth, Democrat of Illinois, introduced legislation today with the ranking member of the Senate Aging Committee, Bob Casey, Democrat of Pennsylvania, U.S. Senator Maggie Hassan, Democrat of New Hampshire, and U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar, Democrat of Minnesota, to make it easier for small businesses to become accessible for people with disabilities and help those businesses comply with the landmark Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA. The Disabled Access Credit Expansion Act bolsters 
the Existing Disabled Access Credit, DAC, which helps businesses pay for renovations by doubling the maximum tax credit and allowing more small businesses to receive it. The legislation also invests in programs that mediate ADA-related disputes to avoid additional litigation and help individuals and businesses understand the ADA. Quote, I'm proud to work with Senators Casey, Hassan, and Klobuchar on this important legislation to strengthen the ADA and give Americans with disabilities increased opportunity to fully participate in our society, Duckworth said. This bill will help more businesses across the country comply with a nearly 30-year-old law that protects the rights of people with disabilities. It is a common-sense alternative to misguided efforts like the ADA Education and Reform Act, which would roll back hard-earned protections for people with disabilities by rewarding businesses who refuse to comply with the ADA instead of encouraging them to become accessible. End of quote. Quote, this bill is a win-win for Pennsylvania and the nation, Casey said. It supports small businesses and increases access for people with disabilities. It is imperative that Americans who experience disabilities are fully included and have the support they need to thrive at home, in school, at work, and in all aspects of their lives, Hassan said. I am proud to co-sponsor this measure with Senators Duckworth, Klobuchar, and Casey that will expand the tax credit and helps ensure that small businesses can accommodate and include those who experience disabilities, as well as to provide funding to better support the needs of individuals and businesses who seek accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act. I will continue working across party lines to build on our nation's promise of equality and inclusion to ensure that all Americans and Granite Staters, regardless of personal circumstance, have opportunity to join in our shared success. Quote, This will help people with disabilities access our small businesses, Klobuchar said. This legislation will help ensure that any and all customers can access their favorite local store. End of quote. The Disability Access Credit Expansion Act would expand the Disabled Access Credit, DAC, increase eligible expenses business can write off in order to make their facilities ADA compliant to $20,500, double the maximum credit from $5,000 to $10,125, and expand the definition of small businesses to companies with gross receipts of $2.5 million or less from $1 million or less. Increase funding for the ADA mediation program, including make the Department of Justice's DOJ ADA mediation program eligible to receive funding to train co contracted mediators and increase personnel to help individuals with disabilities and businesses reach a resolution without increased litigation. The legislation would appropriate $1 million for the 2019 fiscal year to support these efforts. Collect ADA information line data, which would 
require DOJ to provide a report to Congress on the specific types of calls the ADA information line receives in order to improve the ways individuals with disabilities and businesses learn about their rights and how facilities can become ADA compliant. Duckworth has led efforts to protect the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, and block the misleadingly named ADA Education and Reform Act, a Republican-led bill that would reward businesses for failing to make their facilities accessible to people with disabilities. In March, Duckworth secured the opposition of 42 of her Senate colleagues, enough to block the bill from being passed in the U.S. Senate. The legislation would have gutted the ADA by eliminating incentives for businesses of any size, including the largest corporate hotel, restaurant, and movie theater chains to ensure their facilities are in compliance with the ADA. In July, Duckworth spoke about her efforts to stop the passage of the ADA Education and Reform Act and expand disability rights at the Beyond the ADA Introducing Disability Justice Initiative event hosted by the Center for American Progress, CAP. She is also co-sponsor of U.S. Senator Charles Schumer's, Democrat of New York, Disability Integration Act, which would help ensure Americans with disabilities are given the option to live independent lives and access care in their communities rather than being forced into institutional care. The Disability Access Credit Expansion Act has been endorsed by Access Living, Paralyzed Veterans of America, PVA, Jewish Federations of North America, National Council of Independent Living, NICL, Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, DREDF, American Association of People with Disabilities, AAPD, Association of University Centers on Disabilities, AUCD, American Network of Community Options and Resources, ANCOR, Anchor, Illinois Association of Rehabilitation Facilities, IARF, National Association of Councils on Developmental Disabilities, NACDD, Autism Society, Bazelon Center for Mental Health Law, the Ability Center of Greater Toledo, and United Spinal Association. This article was posted by Kelly Gask on September 24 on ACB Leadership and is entitled, A Proposal is Looking to Overhaul NYC Traffic Signals to Help the Visually Impaired. This article is a follow-up to one we carried several months ago here on Soundprints about the inaccessibility of New York City. The article reads, The intersection of Westchester Avenue and Southern Boulevard in Morrisania, M-O-R-R-I-S-A-N-I-A, is one of the busiest in the Bronx. A transportation hub, shopping strip, and multiple lanes of traffic make it a challenge for pedestrians. Quote, it's very dangerous. The cars don't stop. They don't wait for the light, one woman said. You have to look like ten different ways before you cross the street, and then you still don't get the light. Bronx City Councilman Raphael Salamanca, Jr., S-A-L-A-M-A-N-C-A, 
says such intersections pose a special risk to the blind and visually impaired. He's introducing legislation that would require the city to replace conventional traffic signals with so-called accessible pedestrian signals that provide special cues to people without normal eyesight. One example is a signal at East 163rd Street and Rogers Avenue that actually tells pedestrians to wait when it's not safe to cross the street and makes chirping sounds when they are in the clear. Quote, 3rd Avenue, Fordham Road, the main places where buses and stuff run and the kids are crossing. Already there are many accidents, one woman said. I think with a signal light, it would help pedestrians who can't see and can't hear. End of quote. Vehicles killed 107 pedestrians in the city last year. Mayor Bill de Blasio has set a goal of eliminating all such deaths through his Vision Zero plan. Quote, this should be a part of the Vision Zero implementation, Salamanca Jr. said. What better way to improve pedestrian safety than to help out those who are the most vulnerable? End of quote. Advocates filed a class action suit this year, accusing the city of violating the rights of the visually impaired by not installing more of the special traffic signals. There are over 13,000 New York City intersections with traffic signals, but only 337 of them are pedestrian accessible. The City Transportation Department tells NY1 that it is installing 150 of the new signals each year, guided by a ranking system to determine where they are most needed. Quote, it won't solve everything, but it will get some things done, one man said. Some large cities like Seattle and Los Angeles have policies that require accessible pedestrian signals to be installed when new signals are put up or when old signals are replaced. Page 4. topic for tonight is kind of an open-ended topic, and I'll bet most people in this room have an opinion of some kind, and so it'll be interesting to share the um, opinions both on uh, maybe what, if there's a problem or whatever, and then uh, maybe what a solution might be. And we've kind of discussed this topic before, but it's been quite some time. And that was how the public sees us as blind or visually impaired people. And uh, how the other side of that is, how do they see us? Do they see us as, you know, as we want to be seen? Or how can we help them to see us as we want to, as we would like to be seen. So does anybody uh, have an opinion that they would like to, to lead off? Oh, Charlotte wants to begin. I seem to experience this at every church I've gone to. And people see me as somebody who's smart, somebody who hears more than everybody else, somebody who just because I'm blind, they think that I, uh, they, they think they put me, I feel like they put me on a pedestal or something. And, you know, I have to tell, for instance, I have to tell them that 
when they say, I know that you, you feel something or you do whatever because you're blind and that God takes away one sense but gives another and makes it super. And I have to tell them, no, it, it isn't that I have stronger other senses, but I tell them that I, I have to use those senses. But not that they're stronger, it's just that I've had to use them. I know, I heard Sue Yeah, Sue Ellen. I think sometimes the problem isn't entirely so much that that um, how the public sees us as how we play into the public opinion of us. And I think sometimes we feed, we, we can be our own worst enemies feeding that stereotype of, of blind people. Um, and it's baffling to me that we, uh, I suppose we, I suppose it makes sense we don't see because we're too close to it. That's kind of, I also think a lot of times the public tends to try and not see us because they are afraid. They are afraid that, that and it's not so much that they're afraid of us in, as people, but they're afraid of the blindness um, because of the fact we can't make eye contact, because of the fact that they believe oh my gosh, if um, I were in that situation, I could never function, therefore it's impossible for them. They, they really can't. They, I, you know, they can't possibly. They shouldn't possibly be on our same plane, on our same level of equality, because I wouldn't think I could, so therefore they shouldn't. Okay, I have a comment. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced this but I was at Kroger it's been a while back but I didn't say anything and I wanted to pay for the items this was back when they didn't have the um, the you scan when you had to pay the cashier <clears throat> and uh, so I was reaching my money out and she didn't take it. Well, my brother told her, said, take it. Well, she took it. Instead of giving me my money back in my hand, she threw it up on the counter. And she looked at my brother as if to say, give it to her. My brother told her, no, you pick it up, you hand it to her. The lady did not do it. My brother had to do it. Many years ago, I had an incident that wasn't um, exactly like that, but it was similar. And, uh, and this was when my son Mike was about six. And I was in the line at Kroger. It's one of those rare times when I had decided to go to the store. And uh, so Mike and I were at the grocery store and we're checking out. And um, it, the, the, it was something small anyway. It was like the bill was like $6 and something. And so I had a 20. And I handed the 20 to the checkout person, but instead of giving, and I had my hand out to get the change, but she didn't give it to me, she handed it to Mike. Now, she, so she gives the six-year-old the $14 in change, 13 or 
instead of me. And, and so he just said, you know, he, he turns and says to me, here, Mom, here's the change. I, I thought it said a lot that she didn't think I could handle the change that she gave it to the six-year-old. So. Well, it may have just been that he also was just able to reach out and get it, but I had my hand out waiting. So it wasn't as if I didn't know when to uh, reach out to get the change, because when I handed it to her, I left my hand out. I always you know, do that if I hand somebody change. I'll leave my uh, a bill, then I'll leave my hand out to accept the change. So instead of giving it to me, she handed it to the six-year-old. Yes, Ronald? Uh, is, is that in response to what I just said? Yeah. Um, let's go on and take him and then let's come back to Butch. Is that okay, Butch? Okay. Okay. Last week I was downtown Louisville uh, having a safe opened because they no longer make it and I couldn't get in it. It took them two hours to do it. But when I paid the $89 to open it, um, they gave my change to the person, to the driver. And they said, and I said, um, I'm the customer, I paid the bill, why? And they said, because I want them to verify that I gave you the right change, since you couldn't see it, so that when you leave, you'll know that, that we were honest. And I said, well, I trusted you to give it to me, so you probably ought to consider counting it out and giving it to me. So I wonder if perhaps that was maybe even a, a verification attempt. I think that was a very poor excuse. Okay. <laughs> I would expected them to hand it to me. I agree with you. Okay, it's Butch's turn. Mr. Leonard, sir. One major issue that I've noticed about the public is a lot of people don't know a whole lot about us. They're not aware of, they don't know who blind people are. We don't it's not our fault, but we don't mix in with a lot of sighted people and they go to movies, go to dinner and stuff. So we don't, they don't know a whole lot about us because we don't mix in with them a lot. And I think that's one of the problems that they have is they just don't know anything about us. They, they're not aware of who we are. I tend to run into the same problems. You know, I'm, I'm on the, uh, Clifton, uh, you know, council, the, the, the board, and when when new people come in, you know, they, they, they're amazed that, uh, you know, I'm active, participating, and I just think that you need to get out, uh, go uh, attend, and uh, participate, and the more the, the more you participate, the more you will be uh, accepted. Someone else had a comment? Chuck. Oh, Chuck. Mm -hmm. All right. Being blind, I had a weird experience the other day. Is uh, I went out to check the air pressure in my tires on my truck and on my uh, nephew's truck. And I got a talking tire gauge about, at Walmart about 10 years ago. It'll say 39 PSI or 25 PSI. Well, I don't need a light to go out and check our uh, tire pressure. I can do it when it's dark. This guy comes up 
up the street. He goes, uh, sir, do you need a light? I said, no, I got this okay. I can work with my hands. And as long as I could hear what that speaker said on that thing, I know where to stop. So we did have to add some air to some tires. And then John said, well, could you check my trailer tires? One of them was at 18 pounds. The other one was at 26. But they were both supposed to be at 25. So we, we fixed that problem. Chuck, that made me think of a little incident from many, many years ago. My dad um, was totally blind, and we lived in St. Matthews out on uh, Chenoweth Lane, which is just across Chevrolet Road from Breckenridge Lane. And uh, he used to mow the grass. Um, we had a real flat yard and not hardly anything that he could mow down. My mother always planted the flowers up close to the house so that he wouldn't mow them, <laughs> cut them all off. Um, I, I, it was my opinion that he could just as well mow down those petunias, but that she didn't like that. So he would go out and mow the grass, and he would mow it. <clears throat> One night he went out there to mow, and it was like 9.30, and that was before we went on Eastern Time. So we were on Central Time, and it got dark earlier. And, um, and the neighbor came out and he said, don't you know it's dark? <laughs> and my dad says, well, it doesn't make any difference to me. And the neighbor said, but it sure makes everybody else think you're weird. <laughs> Bill Wright and then Charlotte. Okay. Um, yes. Um, I, you know, I have RP and everything and uh, a lot of my cousins, the Whitakers and Isoms, you know, they they are in their uh, mid mid fifties, early sixties, starting to cope with RP because you know RP, you know, it does everybody different. And uh, you know, I I try to uh, I've got got this one cousin. He's just sat down, and to me, you know, don't want no no help or no suggestions at all and I, I you know, I I try to give him a few and he, you know, he, he was a teacher, growth school bus, principal, and now he's quit doing anything. I see that happen with uh, uh, you know, the ones who are going through RP in their uh, late 50s early 60s. Well, my conclusion would be um, for sighted people as well as blind, um, I think the bottom line is that people don't want to get out of their comfort zones, whether they be blind or sighted. Susan, I, I think she nailed it just then. Uh, people do not want to get out of their comfort zone. They they are setting their own little agenda of how you're supposed to act with them and you're not supposed to uh, be in that you know another mold and uh, I have had experiences where people have just deliberately ignored me completely um, it, you know like I'm not even there so therefore I'm not even on their radar they don't have to deal with me um, you know to to reluctance on having to do something for you they have it uh, they have to do it in order to make it work. 
instead of a willingness or genuineness on their part, it's, it's a matter of, you know, I've got to do it for you because I have to do it because I'm supposed to do it because I'm an authority figure over you, therefore I have to do it. It's not because they're, they're really genuine. And um, you have to push them on every day and say, look, I can do this. This is a better solution. You know, let, let's try it this way. And, and, and I've had a lot of slack uh, with that sometimes. Anybody else? I know, uh, just real quick, uh, I know we went to, uh, got a friend of ours in town. We went out to Frisch's last night. This waitress comes by. And we've had it before, and she was kind of short. And after a few minutes, Bill speaks up and he said, Miss, he said, uh, you got a problem with us? Uh, and uh, she'll, oh, no, no, I'm. She's like, well, he's like, well, I was just checking because, you know, you seem like kind of irritated. And she's like, oh, no. A couple other people are like, yeah, we were kind of wondering the same thing. <laughs> so, anybody else? I any other comments? I think dinner might be up soon, but sounds like. Okay, yeah, dinner is just about ready to come out. Page five. The Sam Prince calendar. October 8 is the KCB Next Generation Nationwide Conference Call. 8.30 p.m. by phone, ACB members and individuals under the age of 40 are invited to join this nationwide conference call to explore the possibility of organizing a national special interest affiliate within ACB. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. For more questions, contact Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774 or email her at alsmoot, S-M-O-O-T-87, at gmail.com. On October 9, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. On October 10, Northern Kentucky Council will have its conference call meeting at 7 p.m. by phone 605-475-4700, intercode 155-619. For more information, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On October 10, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. by phone 669-900-6833, intercode 3572-595-193. On October 11, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its in-person Low Vision Support Group from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. For more information, call 502-895-4598. October 12 is a Savvy Workshop to be announced from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. On October 12, the GLCB Roundabout will include Education and Technology from 3.30 to 5, Discussion from 5 to 6, Dinner 6 to 7, and games 
and other activities from 7 until 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, sign up by calling 502-895-4598. On October 13, GLCB will have its board meeting for the month at 11 a.m. by phone at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On October 14, KCB Next Generation will have its chapter meeting at 8 p.m. by telephone 669-900-6833, enter code 3572-595-193. On October 14, ACB Families will have its next meeting and informational conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 712-432-3900, enter code 796096. On October 15, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its monthly board meeting at 7.30 p.m. Dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On October 19, GLCB will have a roundabout education and technology from 3.30 to 5. Discussion time, including cooking activities from 5 to 6. Dinners 6 to 7, $6 per person, and games and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, sign up by calling 502-895-4598. October 20, Savvy will have a booth at the Special Needs Expo in Owensboro, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Stop by their booth at the Owensboro Christian Church to learn more about visual impairment and savvy. October 20 is a Halloween mask making workshop at the American Printing House for the Blind. 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Use tactile materials to make scary and friendly Halloween masks and headdresses. Free, but registration is required. Ages 6 and up. Call 502-899-2213 to sign up. October 21 the KSB alumni will have its monthly board meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. October 22 is a meeting of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana. At 7 p.m. Eastern Time, call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. October 24 is the Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group for October, noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. Call 859-259-1834 for information. October 25, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Louisville at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. October 26 is a Savvy Workshop to be announced, 10 a.m. to noon Central at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.com.
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.